Welcome to Get Real with Dr. Renee. With her extensive experience as a double CEO, therapist, and renowned treatment specialist, Dr. Calvert's approach to recovery and emotional freedom is unique and diverse. Dr. Calvert's innovative and unfiltered perspective sheds light on the importance of being human and encourages guests and listeners to get real. Joined by Bindi Hyde, producer, coach, and founder of Ethical Change Agency on a mission to spread collective change, understanding that it starts with us. It's time to get real. In this episode, we get real with special guest Tara Boyce. Tara is the host of the Addicted to Recovery, the interactive memoir podcast. Hailing from Montreal, Canada, she shares her decades-long battle with substance abuse and mental health issues. She's been in and out of rehab 12 times for alcoholism and also has the added complexity of borderline personality disorder and anxiety disorder that has made her recovery remarkable, a true example of turning pain into purpose. Now, uh, now, Tara, um, when I met you, I was absolutely blown away uh, by your story uh, and the fact that you'd been in and out of rehab 12 times. And I remember I asked you, um, you know, what, what kept you going back and what made you relapse, uh, more importantly. Tell us a bit more about your story. Yeah, um, absolutely. And a lot of what Brianne said really resonated with me too in terms of always feeling like I was acting. I, I dipped my toes into acting for a long time, never really had much success with it, but I was acting pretty much my whole life. I started lying about just everything when I was around seven, eight years old. And I don't know why, except I felt like I needed to protect myself. And I felt like if people knew what was actually going on, they would have something on me and they could hurt me. And, um, and as far as the drinking, when that came in, it was a really relatively normal trajectory in that I started drinking because, well, I didn't want to be me around other people because I was afraid that they would reject me. And so I would drink to be able to just let go around other people and try to control the kind of person that I could be because I guess my acting skills weren't that great, but throw some liquor at me and all of a sudden I could be whoever I thought that I should be for these people. And it allowed me to feel this sense of intimacy with people that I was afraid of experience, experiencing without the mediating force of alcohol. And then it got to a point where I was using it to manage my own emotions when I was alone, that I couldn't be in a relationship with myself without alcohol mediating that, that I couldn't show up for myself without it. It really revved up in response to uh, the passing of a friend of mine and I didn't want to feel those feelings and the the thing about it is that it worked you know it worked until it stopped working but at that point I had it all linked up that I needed this and that was the thing that was keeping me safe and that was the thing that was going to protect me from all the things that could hurt me in the real world and it became my primary relationship so when I would have friendships when I would have try to have a relationship with my family when I would have these revolving door boyfriends. Um, they were always coming second, third to a bottle of something. And I'm pretty sure they knew that. And there was this crippling loneliness of knowing that I was lying to everyone in my life to protect my relationship with a bottle. And I couldn't be honest about 
how I was feeling about that relationship because I didn't want them to take it away. I didn't want them to take away my alcohol because it was the only thing that made me feel safe, even though it was the one thing that was making me actually very unsafe. It revved up to the point where I was waking up in snowbanks. I was waking up in hospital rooms. I was waking up in strangers' beds all the time. And, you know, thank God I woke up in those places as opposed to just not waking up somewhere. Um, it's, it's rather wild that I woke up in so many places. Um, and then the, the rehab cycle started. And the trouble with that is the safety that I felt when I was in those places of having my needs met, my basic needs met. Uh, I was fed. I was told where to be, what to do, what to think in some cases. Um, there were rules for everything. So I didn't have to think about what to do any ever. And I loved it so much that in a way I became addicted to rehab. I became addicted to the process of getting taken care of and being told that my thoughts and feelings and emotions were important and then I would get out of that safe space and I would have no real tools. I, had, I was always generally pretty good at articulating myself so I could make it seem as though I had processed all these things therapeutically, but it was just this disconnect between my head and my heart that I knew what was wrong with me. I knew why I drank. I knew I could unravel and unpack all the things that had happened in my life that, um, that were painful but in terms of what was going to make me feel like I had a compelling future, my past, you know, I could, I had picked at it so many times it didn't hurt anymore. There was no pain left because I had been just at excavating that, that scab so, so many times that it had gone completely numb. So that, so at a point I kept almost like trying to find more tragedy and more trauma and it turned into this kind of process of rationalization okay what hidden nugget of pain am I going to find today but then my the addict in my head is actually a really amazing lawyer for my bad ideas so I would do this work this therapeutic work and it would turn into a permission statement it's like oh well you were rejected by this person no wonder you feel like you need to soothe yourself or you know you're whatever the story was uh whatever pain or whatever um, but what I didn't have was a compelling story about why I could stay, about why I should stay sober, because I didn't see really anything of value there. And I didn't have any, I didn't have a life. I had broken relationships. I had no career. I had no CV. I had nothing except for a lot of experience being in and out of rehab, in and out of hospitals. I'd read a lot of books on the topics and I could, I could talk about addiction like a professional to almost anyone who asked me to talk about it. But I didn't know how to take that, that information and just kind of do something different with my feet. So sometimes I would go to rehab and the moment I started to feel anxious about leaving, I would just find a guy there. So I would leave rehab with a boyfriend and then completely negate all the work I was doing on myself because I just transferred the love that I couldn't feel for myself to this person who was now supposed to save my life, right? And ensue drama. Drama creates opportunity for relapse. So I would look for these I would look for these moments of chaos and drama and I would seek them out when I had just a little bit of recovery time to reinforce my excuse to start drinking again and over and over and over and over again. And at a point, you're just... I just felt like I was broken and I had managed to uh, accumulate a resume of mental health diagnoses at least. So I had that, but that also became a kind of 
character. It became my identity. It's like, I am an alcoholic. I have these, I have a personality disorder. Um, I have, I, I had an eating disorder for a little while. You know, I have anxiety, like all these things, all the things that I identified with were reasons why my life was never going to work. Um, and you know, it, it really took me just being so defeated. I didn't have it in me to scheme and lie and find the drama anymore. And just kind of doing the things differently, like showing up in the places I was supposed to show up and acting like a person who was serious about recovery, even though I didn't believe that I was, you know. And I I really agree with the idea that doing that work, that painful work, uh, is important. But for me, I needed to just do the different things and get to a point where I was stable enough it, because every time I kind of brought that stuff up, it just reinforced the idea that I was broken as opposed to strong. So yeah, that's without getting into any very specific details, that was kind of my, my cycle for a long time. The timing of when you actually do the digging is incredibly important, right? And when you're just trying to find your feet and you're just trying to stabilize, that's not the time to open up wells of trauma and go digging deep into the past. And for those clinicians out there, treatment professionals out there that believe that, you know, in the first, you know, 30 days of even someone's not only beginning of recovery, but relapsing and coming back, that's the time to really dig deep into all of your wounds. Um, They're really kind of handing you Not that it's not still our accountability, not that it's still not our lives to manage, but ripping open those wounds at a time when your first coping mechanism that you've not even learned to live without, like the oxygen you breathe, is to numb in whatever way you can. That's not the time that you rip a wound open. You really can't rip a wound open and really start digging. You can't take something away from us without something to replace it with. Mm-hmm. We have to have something to replace it with. And broken has to be replaced with purpose. And mentally ill has to be replaced with recovering and, you know, a way out. Mm-hmm. And other otherwise, we, you know, we reinforce the idea, you know, when you talk about the safety that you felt inside that, I'm going to call it a bubble, Mm. that treatment bubble. Um, It is safe, but it's also very, very unsafe because what it teaches us about ourselves is that we must rely upon the institution in order to keep us safe. We don't internalize the idea that the person doing the work and keeping ourselves safe is us. You know, I, I happen to be CEO of a detox facility outside of live treatment, which is concierge and comes to the client all over all over the world, um, internationally, over Zoom and and in person. But I also have a brick and mortar detoxification facility. And I will tell you that I think we're darn good at what we do. Um, and it's I'm very, very exceptionally proud of our team. I also know as someone in recovery, if you want to relapse or engage in relapse behavior, such as 
finding someone to connect yourself to, right? As you're about to leave, Brianna, see you shaking your totally. head. Yes, yes, totally. yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Easiest thing to do ever. Okay. Set yourself I mean, up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you're, you, you've got, you've got your exit plan mm-hmm. already, already right there. And why wouldn't you? Because mm-hmm. you're terrified and you have no idea what the future holds. And there's no, there's no, there is no safety net per se to life in general, but there needs to be a, there needs to be a plan. The revolving door of treatment would not exist. It is inherent in the model to a certain degree. Okay. That we, we do the best we can with numbers of 30, 40 people at a time, maybe even 20 at a time, but knowing how to guide somebody past that stabilization period and into their real life, that is where it takes connection and human beings and people who are willing to think outside the box and creatively and looking at you, the person, not saying, okay, this is what worked for this statistic. Therefore, it's going to work for you. Your purpose is so individual. It's, mm-hmm. You know, it's so individual. And, you know, that's where it kind of all runs together is that a life without purpose is really not a life worth living. It doesn't matter, you know, what your purpose is, your passion, what drives you, what motivates you. Again, there has to be something to replace it with. And so if our identity is in the darkness and in the sickness, then how are we possibly going to embrace and love ourselves for being more than what we were taught we could be? You know, we, we got up, we brushed our teeth that day, we, 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 we attended X number of groups, we attended our meetings, yes. But if we feel empty at the end of that, that is a human experience there is not, there is no human alive, I feel, that can fill their days ongoingly with looking at what is wrong with them and never being challenged to look at what's right with them. Oh, Even 100%. though that's the scariest thing I think we can do to say, hey, you know what? You're not your sickness. Hmm. This is not permanent. And sometimes I think that's the scariest thing is when someone actually tells us, hey, you know that rock you've been hiding under that you thought was, you know, a life sentence? You know, I am my addiction. I am my mental illness. I am my diagnosis. When someone tells you, hey, actually, that's, that's a moment of, in time. Yes, it's something that recovery is something that we choose daily. My recovery today does not look anything like what it looked like when I started not only am I a transformed person, but what I would have told a client or told what I followed at that point was a, an absolute reflection of what I knew of myself, how much I had learned of myself. And the more we learn of ourselves and the more we learn of our why, when we do become safe enough within our own skin and have surrounded ourselves by the right support systems to say, okay, You're now at a point where we can actually dig a little deeper here. Thank you for tuning in to Get Real with Dr. Ronay. 
If you've loved the show and would like to experience coaching with coaches like Dr. Ronay or Bindi through Live Treatment Concierge Services, visit livetreatmentvip.com. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with ElectroCast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of ElectroCast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join ElectroCast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to ElectroCast.com and join our community today. Electricast, transform your influence. Electricast. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are and live in a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.